Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Wormbrenner Podcast, Season 2, Episode 28. I know that it's been a little while since I've posted. It's about two weeks since the last episode came out, so I deeply apologize for that. I've had a lot going on, but I am just so ready to just get back into this episode with you guys and get over some soccer because it's just it's been an unbelievable week so far this week and we aren't even halfway in it's it's by the time this episode comes out it's 7 a.m on wednesday and that'll finally be the halfway mark of this week and it's already been absolutely insane so the league breakdown of the week this week we are going to be talking about a league that has had success in the champions league in the their terms of their respective teams that is going to be the israeli first division and then we're going to be talking in the Wormbrenner news section about a couple things going on around the world of soccer a little bit of erling holland a little bit of Mbappe, as well as what in the world happened in the Champions League this week. If you have not already, go ahead and check out our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Wormburner Podcast. And if you have not checked out our Twitter, it is at Wormburner PDCST. Again, that is Wormburner PDCST. We are also on TikTok. If you have not seen any of our content on there, go ahead and go check us out over there. It is Wormburner Podcast over there no special spelling or anything we have a decent amount of content with a decent amount of views and I, I hope you guys really enjoy it because I've been trying to upload a little more frequently when it comes to all of my content creation and for those of you that feel like that you want to do more for the podcast than just like, share, follow, tweet, you can also donate to the podcast. Now, officially, we have a buymeacoffee.com account. And so that is buymeacoffee.com forward slash Wormburner. With the donations, it'll be refunded all back into the podcast itself for any content, any other ideas that I may have when it comes to just overall development of the podcast itself. I'm just so excited to be on this journey with you guys because honestly, over the past couple of weeks, we have really been spiking when it comes to interest and views, and it's just been absolutely amazing. The res- the overall interactions with you guys is just absolutely amazing. I love you guys so much and without without you guys I couldn't do any of this and and it's just a, a genuine amazing amazing feeling to to know that I can do this. So, and without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the league breakdown this week, the Israeli Premier League. So as I stated before, the league breakdown of the week this week is the Israeli Premier League. It is a league that has been around for a while, but the current iteration has only gone as far back as 1999, which is only 23 years ago. But the very first official league that encompassed both what is considered now Israel and Palestine was officially set up in 1931, was the first official league. Again, it was a combination of both Israel and Palestine at the time. It was a span that went from 1931 to 1947. And a little bit of a interesting tidbit here, from 1933 
1948, all leagues and all championships held between those years were won by the same city. So any, pretty much every single team that won the league between 1933 and 1948 were all from the same town, and that town was Tel Aviv uh, in that time frame. The only other team that won the league was in 1931-1932 before that time frame, that gap between 1933 and 1948, and that was won by the British police. (laughs) So when it comes to units and just overall soccer in general, sometimes the police departments can actually have soccer teams as well in their respective leagues. You can look no further than South Korea actually has the same set up within their league currently as we speak but that's that also includes military as well as a, an added bonus when it comes to the information about this it's it's not uncommon believe it or not but the british police were actually the first first team to ever win a league when it came to this region or this this league setup the palestine league setup which again was from 1931 to 1947 then after that we had two different league setups the first official israeli league was set up in 1949 and it unfortunately folded in 1951 after only one singular season Now, going into the next span of leagues or league in Israel, it goes to the Liga Alif, I hope I say that right, and it was from 1951 to 1955, so another three years, because in 1952 to 1953, there was no league held when it came to Israel, but the overall three seasons there there was another league that was held in Israel, so is a bit spotty when it comes to the leagues. But the next largest run of leagues in Israel was between 1955 and 1999. And man, oh man, there was a whole bunch of different leagues when it came to that and league winners. This is when Israeli soccer really really started to take off. And then, as I had stated before, the current rendition of the Israeli Premier League was set up in 1999, and it is currently, to this day, still around. So, when it comes to the overall trophies won by teams, it actually will be representing all different leagues that have been in or around Israel that Israeli teams have represented or have been represented in. And so the number one team when it comes to Israel is a team called Maccabi Tel Aviv. They have won a grand total of 23 league titles, their first one coming in 1935-1936, and the latest one coming in 2019-2020. to And in second place, their, their rival when it comes to overall domestic competitions 
is Maccabee Haifa with 14 titles under their belt. The first one in 1983-84 and the latest one in this latest rendition of the league, 2021-2022. In third place, we have Maccabee Tel Aviv's noisy neighbor, Hapoel Tel Aviv with 13 titles under their belt. The first one coming in 1933-34 and the latest one coming in 2009-2010. In fourth place, we have Hapoel Peta Tikva with six titles under their belt. The first one coming in 1954-55 and the latest one coming in 1962-63. And in fifth and final place, when it comes to the highest performing teams in Israel, it is Belatar Jerusalem with six titles under their belt. The first one coming in 1986-87 and the latest one coming in 2007 and 2008. Now, with the league finally over, the league breakdown finally over, we are going to go to the Israeli State Cup, which is the longest-running domestic cup competition in the country of Israel This is the equivalent of the FA Cup or the Copa del Rey in Spain, and then, as I had stated, the FA Cup in England. But overall, the State Cup has been around since 1928. So again, following other countries, this is the oldest domestic cup competition in the country's history, and it is a general overall knockout tournament between all teams in Israel. doesn't matter what professional, amateur, semi-pro, it it doesn't matter. That if you are a team in Israel, you are able to most likely compete in this competition if your league is registered under the Israeli Football Federation. But needless to say, when it comes to the Israeli State Cup winnings, there is one team at the very top that is a familiar name to the previous list that we had just gone over. The most successful team in the Israeli State Cup is Maccabee Tel Aviv with 24 titles under their belt. The first one coming in 1929 and the latest one coming in 2021. In second place, we have Maccabee Tel Aviv's noisy, noisy neighbors, Hapoel Tel Aviv with 15 titles under their belt. The first one in 1928 and the latest one in 2012. In third place, we have Beatar Jerusalem with seven titles under their belt. The first one coming in 1976 and the latest one coming in 2009. For the fourth most successful team in the Israeli State Cup, it is Maccabee Haifa with six titles under their belt. The first one coming in 1962 and the latest one coming in 2016. In the fifth and final spot, we actually have two teams tied for that fifth and final spot. It is Hapoel Haifa with four titles under their belt. The first one coming in 1963 and the latest one coming in 2008. And in that tied fifth place position, it is Yehuda, Yehuda Tel Aviv 
with four titles again under their belt. The first one coming in 1968 and the latest one coming in 2019, exactly one year after the previous one had, had won their latest one, which is a very, very interesting tidbit. But overall in Israel, there is an added cup, which is the equivalent of the Carabao Cup in England. It is the coolest name, which is also named after, well, it it's by chance named after the same <laughs> legendary band Toto, but it is the Toto Cup. I have no idea. I don't think it has any correlation with the band, but it's still cool, and regard, regardless of the circumstances, it is very cool to say the Toto Cup has been around since 1984, which is a 38-year history. And overall, this is looked as the League Cup. So all of the Premier League teams or in the Israeli Premier League compete against each other in a group stage and then go on to a knockout tournament style setup. And I actually have, it's just an overall interesting situation for these teams and for this cup competition because we don't normally see anything like this and honestly I would find a lot of enjoyment if something came out of it like in the United States or something along those lines but regardless I digress when it comes to the most successful teams in the Toto Cup the number one team is of course Maccabee Tel Aviv with seven titles under their belt and then in second place, we have Maccabee Haifa with five titles under their belt. In third place, we have a two-way tie between Hapoel Pita Tikva with four titles. And again, in third place, tied with four, is Maccabee Peta Tikva. In fifth place, we have a two-way tie again with three titles under their belt. The first one with Beatar Jerusalem and the second fifth place team is Hapoel Beer Shiva with again three titles under their belt. Before we conclude this league breakdown, I wanted to go over the more noisy derbies of the Israeli Premier League. This is the equivalent of the Manchester Derby in England. It is the Tel Aviv Derby between Maccabib Tel Aviv and Hapoel Tel Aviv. And honestly, this is a fight between two of the more successful teams in Israel between these two clubs. A grand total of 36 leagues and 40 national cups have been won between these two teams. And again, going back to that history, the first official league that was set up in the area, Tel Aviv had won all but one of the professional leagues between the years of 1933 and 1940. They won every single one of them. So this, by no stretch of the imagination, is this a less than quiet derby. Their very first meeting was on the 25th of February, 1928, as a friendly. And then their very first meeting in a competitive league was the 19th of December 
in 1931. Overall, they have met a grand total of 164 times, with the most wins coming from Maccabib Tel Aviv. When it comes to the overall series of wins between these two teams in only the Israeli Premier League, Maccabib Tel Aviv has a very narrow margin over Hapoel Tel Aviv with 60 wins under their belt. Hapoel Tel Aviv has 46 under their belt over their rival and a grand total of 58 matches have ended in a draw. This will conclude the Israeli Premier League for this week. Let's go ahead and head over to the Wormburner News section. So for this week's Wormburner News section, we've got a couple things to talk about. And the first thing that has honestly been lighting up Twitter since it's happened officially today and yesterday when this episode comes out is that Mbappe is unhappy at PSG. Honestly, if you want my personal point of view, I am not in the absolute slightest bit surprised by this. <laughs> Just if you ask me, I sh- I would have seen this a mile away. And the reason I say this is because... Looking at it from the perspective of Mbappe, yes, you are getting an unbelievable deal that a lot of the world is like, hey, like, needless to say, we should be looking into this. But I'm not trying to instigate anything. I'm just saying it was a an unbelievable deal that if somebody was playing at that level, I'm pretty positive they were going to take it. But regardless... You have a team and a player like Mbappe, he isn't going to be happy in Paris for as long. He is extremely competitive. Honestly, I look at him and I see a lot of the same competitive traits as Ronaldo. I can see why this guy was just absolutely the biggest fan of Ronaldo, at least in my opinion. I can see it because that level of competitive nature in him will prevent him from staying in Paris. This is just my personal point of view. Now, being and being the critical person that I am, I would have 100% told Mbappe if I was in his inner circle, just saying if I was, I'm not, but if I was, I would have left in the summer. Do you know how ridiculous it sounds that you wanted to leave the summer before Literally, the only thing that has changed is that the board hasn't done what he wants him to do, which I'm not surprised, considering the fact it's a club. He's The club's going to be there before he was ever born, and it's going to be there after he ends up leaving football forever. I get it. Like, the club is going to make choices that Mbappe is not going to need approval over. That's when it came down to the overall decision of him being in that decision process. I was very skeptical because if that actually was in the deal, there could be very small, minute changes that they end up doing. And because he is in this quote unquote negotiated position where he can come in and say these points of views of what he wants. 
he will probably pick up on the smallest thing and say, oh, I didn't want that. But in reality, the club did. And this is where I have the problem giving such a large contract to such a young player is honestly, you are really floating his ego, like really inflating his ego is what I meant to say. And it's neither here nor there. Why did you not leave the summer before if literally the only thing the only thing that has changed is that the club is making decisions on their own, which isn't a surprise in itself, and six months. Literally, that's it. I'm honestly not really surprised, but at the same time, I'm just like, why are we wasting everyone's time? Because, honestly speaking... Mbappe should have left. Um, Mbappe should have left. No disrespect to PSG at all. They're an amazing club. But just the level that PSG is, is on versus where Mbappe wants to go, it's just not the same. When you look at PSG, they want to be this powerhouse in Europe, but they aren't. This This is what I'm trying to say, and... Honestly, when it comes to PSG, that's the thing that has been hindering them for so long is they think that they're this European power, but honestly, they haven't really done a dent in the Champions League. Yes, they've made it to one final, and I really can't complain talking from a Manchester City fan point of view, but in the overall history of soccer, PSG is nothing. PSG is nothing compared to the world. If you want to go to a Real Madrid, PSG should have no pull against that. Because the level of prestige Real is, this is just overall, you are looking at the king of Europe wanting to sign Mbappe. That's my point of view when it comes to this. The level of pedigree coming from a club like Real wanting to sign a player like Mbappe, that should have pulled him, but it didn't. I am interested to know what did what pulled him away, but honestly speaking, when it comes to the suitors, I genuinely think Real is the best offer when it comes to Mbappe, but exploring the other options, I do at least want to talk about it because Really and truly, there is a lot that any team could do with him. The first one that I had heard, and even Mbappe himself had said, when it came to the overall transfers of this transfer saga, Real and PSG were not the only teams he was talking to. He was also talking to Liverpool. And while I'm a little bit hesitant to suggest that he could go on a team like Liverpool, I wouldn't be surprised because honestly what they could do, and I know I know that this is controversial, especially considering the fact that with the recent flair that this player has had, they could very easily bench Luis Diaz and put him in that left wing position that Mane has very obviously left a very massive hole in that front line with Liverpool. Or you could stick him up front and interchange him with Nunez. I mean, 
it could be either or, or you could just flip between the two. He is a very versatile attacking player that Liverpool could really, and I mean really, really do some damage on. But the only thing to me that prevents this from happening is if Liverpool are genuinely serious for Jude Bellingham. That's at least my personal opinion. The reason why is because if their if their funds are tied up on Jude Bellingham, I don't know if they're going to have the flex power to get Mbappe to within the same transfer window. And if we're talking about a January time frame, that is very close, number one. And I don't know if Liverpool has the funds to be able to get both Mbappe and Jude Bellingham. But number two... You're running the risk of getting into summer where more clubs are going to have more funds and be have that flexibility of time on their hands to swindle Mbappe away from them. And that the, the later it goes for Liverpool in this transfer saga, the less likely I think Mbappe is to go to Liverpool, at least in my personal opinion. Now... Going to the other oddball that I had heard, apparently there was a rumor that Chelsea was on the block to get Mbappe, which that confuses me to no end because of one singular problem. And before I get into this, I want all of you to know I don't have a personal vendetta against Graham Potter. (laughs) He is... A great coach. He has very obviously been able to do things that not a lot of coaches have been able to do and just have the success that he has had. Not many coaches can say that they've been able to coach at the level he has. But being able to get a player like Mbappe on his team, no less, Personally speaking, from the attitudes going into this exchange, I don't think Graham Potter will demand the respect for Mbappe. That's just my opinion. I don't think Mbappe will respect him. And this is no disrespect to Graham Potter, but we saw the clashes live on television between Mbappe and Thomas Tuchel, which is a really, really good manager. He's really good. In my personal opinion, he's better than Graham Potter. But if you're having Mbappe go to Chelsea, he's going to be going against a manager that may not have the prestige that he wants. And that's, at least in my personal opinion, the reason why he's not going to go to Chelsea. Which leads me to the number one team I genuinely feel like should and will get him is Real. They've got the finances. They've been trying to get him since last summer. And again, like I said, time is on their side. Mbappe can just wait out PSG. And Real can get him for free, just like they tried again last year. But I don't know how much... And even then, Mbappe can pressure the board and say, I don't want to be here anymore. You can get rid of me. I want to leave. And they're going to be forced to sell him. And that, again, time favors Real in that instance. Because the later that it goes on, Real can get their act together 
and get the funds and get Mbappe. That is where Real has that pull. And that's my personal opinion when it comes to it. Now, encompassing the Champions League for today and, and kind of going on that PSG side side curve. PSG tied Benfica today 1-1, which is absolutely insane considering the fact the level that these two teams are on. Benfica absolutely worthy of being on the pitch with PSG. Absolutely, of course, with any opponent. Just being able to pull that 1-1 was absolutely insane. And honestly, hats off to Benfica. And it was just an unbelievable showing. PSG has got to do better. Now, going into Manchester City against Copenhagen, I wanted to talk about this very, very slightly because there was a tweet that I had seen that honestly kind of irked me. And I don't know why more people didn't see it, at least from a coach's point of view. I see why Pep did this, but I I already have a feeling you guys know what I'm going to be talking about. Erling Holland was on the bench against Copenhagen yesterday, but today in this instance for the podcast when I'm recording, but... I don't see a problem doing that. Number one is that we already have a really good backup, and that's Julian Alvarez. Give him that time in the Champions League. I have no problem with that. But first and foremost, we have to be competitive. That's that's first and foremost. We are first in our league, thank the Lord. But on top of that, we've got Liverpool on Saturday. And... You have got to be absolutely kidding me if you think Pep is going to underestimate Liverpool. Yes, I get it. They are not doing good. I genuinely get it. But you cannot write off Liverpool. You can't. You just cannot. I know that they are having an absolutely nightmare start to their season. But you cannot, like, out of all the games, out of all the games, Liverpool could just turn everything around and start going on an unbelievable sprint towards the top six. That's the one game I don't want it to be against, and that's going to be against City. That I don't want that to happen. Pep doesn't want to underestimate Liverpool, and I 100% respect and agree with the decision he made of sitting Erling, out, Erling Brandt Holland out of the Champions League. Whether I feel like we should have won or not, it's a completely different story, because honestly, we were absolutely horrendous against Copenhagen today. But going into the going into the other game that I wanted to talk about and what led to the league breakdown this week is Juventus lost to Israeli side Maccabi Haifa and oh really like if you didn't see my TikTok or anything having to do with the content with that it was just an absolutely nightmarish game for Juventus. Absolutely horrible. But they had an absolutely nightmarish game against them. It Honestly, for a team in Serie A, it's just absolutely not acceptable. <laughs> absolutely not acceptable to have something like that happen in the Champions League. They, For those that don't know, they ended up losing 2-0. And a 1-0 is hard enough. The fact that they lost 2-0 is, again, absolutely humiliating. This is 
the soccer equivalent of David versus Goliath, and David beat the absolute crap out of Goliath. And I just can't believe something like this happened. And I love it, obviously, as a soccer fan. I want the underdog to win. I want to have situations like this because it gives absolutely great insight into these bigger teams of how they can lose. But overall, this is just absolutely horrible for Juventus. Absolutely horrible. I don't know if they're going to have the success that they think that they're going to have in the Champions League after this result. It's just, I don't think it's going to happen. I know that last year, Real had their slip-ups, but personally, this could completely derail Juventus's Champions League hopes this year. I mean, granted, they weren't that high originally, considering the fact of where Juventus has been over the previous couple of years, but as a Italian giant, that is that is just not a result that you want to accept. And they're going to have to going forward in the Champions League. But overall, just absolutely shocking results. And then going into last week, we also had Atletico Madrid losing to Club Bruges from Belgium 2-0. <laughs> wow, that was a game too. That was, an abs- again, an absolute nightmare game for Atletico Madrid. There are all kinds of upsets going on in the Champions League, and if you ask my personal point of view, there have just been so many results this year, upset-wise in the Champions League. <laughs> when I'm not a betting man, but I genuinely believe there's going to be an upset every single week when it comes to the Champions League. That's how many upsets are happening. It seems like every other week in the Champions League, there's going to be an upset. And it's just absolutely insane. And I'm just along for the ride. I hope that you guys enjoy it as well. And honestly, this is this is going to be the end of the episode for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed the Wormburner News section as well as the league breakdown of the Italian Premier League. If you have not already, go ahead and check out our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Wormburner Podcast. If you have not checked out our Twitter, it is at Wormburner PDCST. Again, that is Wormburner PDCST. And if you have not checked out our TikTok, it is Wormburner Podcast. All together, no special spelling or anything. I hope you guys have an absolutely amazing week and just enjoy the rest of the soccer this week because honestly, if you ask me, it's just going to get even more crazier and I'm so, so excited for it. So stay tuned with that and stay tuned for the next episode next week for the Wormburner Podcast. Stay safe, have fun, love soccer, and I'll see you guys next week. Ciao, everyone.